hello and welcome to Ultra Q15. Uh, my name is Red. I am joined by Mel. I just want on record that two weeks ago we joked about the Microsoft Activision buyout not going through, and then before the episode came out, it got blocked. Uh, yeah, we got Peter on standby. <laughs> uh, I'm also joined by Razen. Hi, I'm Razen. You know what's cooler than a space rock? Two space rocks. Hell yeah. <laughs> Coming up, uh, we've got the survivors of Ultraman's greatest crime. Uh, <laughs> an encounter with the Gogeta of space rocks and the origin of one of our classic guys. Um, but first, uh, because everything's normal for me again, I watched, I did things. I watched things. I watched two anime. Uh, well, I, I finished one anime and I watched the other in its entirety. Um, which do you want to hear about first? Do you want to hear about Princess Principle or K-On? Let's do K-On first. Sure, All right. that's the classic. That's the classic. I was filling in. Uh, gaps in my weeb knowledge. I'd seen season one. I'd seen a, like started season two, and I was just like, I, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna. This is just on my hard drive. I'm just gonna, just gonna watch it. Just right now. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna watch all of it. Uh, and then you know I'll get to the OVAs and the movie later. So, so I watched uh all of season two of Kion. Uh, I then immediately watched the extra episodes and the OVA. I then immediately watched the the little shorts that are on the dvd or whatever the blu-ray uh and then also immediately watch the movie and then also uh and this one was maybe like the one mistake was i did then read the follow-up manga of the k-on college which is about the four of them going off to college and then k-on high school which is about Azus's third year uh i should have just left that up to my imagination it's just not that good it's just kind of nothing <laughs> so i was you know there's a reason people watch the anime um K-On was good. Uh, I I was posting about how, you know, sometimes you're watching a 7 out of 10 show, uh, and then it ends really well, and you're like, well, naturally, for five minutes, your brain fully believes that this is the best thing you've ever seen in your life. Um, and that's, that's kind of what happened with K-On there for a bit. Uh, it was really good. Um, I don't... Some, something someone said to me set off alarm bells, and I was like, okay. I have to look this up because they said that uh, it's a shame that Azusa showed up and ruined all the group dynamics and Kaon. And I was like, that was said with the confidence of consensus. I have to find out if this is a popular opinion because it can't be. Surely not. Um, and it was. And I was really confused because I don't know how you like how you I don't know how you can be like a big Kaon fan if you don't like the one character that is like this is the whole stakes of the show. <laughs> I don't. It's so weird. Um, she's, you know, she's she's D'Artagnan. She's like all of the rest of them are gonna go off uh, at the end, and she's gonna be on her own, and that's gonna that's the whole thing. But the inevitability of that is the whole of season two. That's what the that's what Kaon is about. I don't. That's weird. I don't. I don't understand. Uh, thinking that Azusa sucks. I think she's no. The are you telling me that? It's possible for the wider fandom to have incorrect readings of the show. I would never imply so. <laughs> <laughs> of yes, I am. I, I think uh, many people are just wrong um, about this one thing. Um, and I, you know, I, I watched the movie. I liked that the movie kind of just included the ending again because I was like, okay, uh, that's that saves me loading up that episode to 
uh, cap off uh, the end of the end of all of this again because I was gonna have to watch it immediately afterwards. Uh, so that was good. Yeah, I I I thought Kaon was good. Um, I got away with the post about the seven out of ten turning to be the the best show in the world, though, in which I included the original Gundam. <laughs> <laughs> Um, which is, you know, that, that's a pretty good anime. And then it, you know, there's, there's, there's a headshot and there's a kid who saves Insert all the Insert NFL theme. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's the greatest, the greatest thing in anime. Um, but yeah, that's, that's Kaon. It's, it's people, I, sh- I rocked up very late <laughs> to this. Uh, um, but, uh, yeah, uh. The anime with like maybe more to talk about, but I'll talk about it less probably is Princess Principle, <laughs> uh, which is you know appropriate given that uh, Okochi's Gundam is happening right now. Um, that's like his last uh, show of that I can think of that's like got like a significant reputation of any kind. Uh, it happened in like twenty seventeen or something. Um, yeah, I I watched it. Like around 2018, so mm-hmm. a lifetime ago. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that is five years. That is uh, a long, a very long time. Uh, also pre-pandemic, which means uh, the world was just uh, I separate history into two halves. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you can separate history in Princess Prin- Principle into two halves: uh, before the wall and after the wall. <laughs> wow, <laughs> just like a real life. Uh, okay. Okay, Razin, you don't know what you don't know what Princess Principle is. I'm guessing. No. Okay, uh, I'm gonna t- <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you right now. So, Code Geass writer, uh, using an element uh called what is it, Caver Caverite, um, Br- uh, Britain, uh, creates an air fleet, um, and takes over the world and becomes the biggest empire. You know. Then you know. Mm-hmm. Having having the, no- having the knowledge that this is the Code Geass writer adds a lot of context for me. <laughs> um, then uh, there is a revolution, and the empire is divided into east and west. And in London, they erect a Berlin Wall. Okay. Um, and Princess <laughs> Princess Principle is about the secret war between spies, covering like defections between the sides in London. <laughs> Uh, the monarchy and the not monarchy. <laughs> the monarchy and the not monarchy. And uh, Princess Principle follows a cell that is undercover on the monarchy side of the wall. Um, it gets <laughs> way more big brain genius about this when it introduces why the main character is actually over there. Uh, but uh, it's it's good. It's uh, Okochi... Uh, big fan of Turn A Gundam. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> yes. It's so funny. Um, th- yeah. Uh, there's um, it hit me with like this is just like a lot of good episodes. Just good episodes of television in this show. It's just like cool spy shit. Uh, done at like all girls school. Um, undercover stuff, and then like they're they're off shooting people. They've all got like their each unique. Thing that they can do that they're good at like one of them is the driver uh and you know the main girl is like uh Darsen lupin <laughs> one yeah one, one of them is uh ishikawa goemon <laughs> 13 yes she's she's the best one is the thing uh she's the best one uh i was like i had like watched what i thought were like 
two bad episodes in a row, and then the immediate next episode was about her trying to get used to living in Britain, and it included a scene of her playing cricket by using a cricket bat like it was a katana. <laughs> I was like, this is the greatest <laughs> anime I've ever seen in my life. Um, it was fantastic. Uh, the, um, yeah, there's like, what, there's like, I'd, I would say I'm not like super high on like the ending. I think it's just kind of, nah, all right. I, you know, uh, I would just want like kind of normal, like, uh, heist stuff. I, I, yeah. But uh, I, f- I forget it, a lot of the ending. To be honest, it manage it manages to. It's like doing like because Okochi is uh, <laughs> he's an ML, by which I mean he's a monarchist liberal. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, there's like the loopholes that are jumped through in like two or three lines towards the end there to make. Oh, it's so good. It's like. Uh, very, very, very on brand for him. Uh, as a big fan, uh, I was like, kind of like, ah, this seems kind of cringe. And then like pulls out a couple of lines where I was like, this fucking bangs. This is so good. <laughs> um, but there's like all the a lot of the liberalism is co- is uh, concentrated into an episode where they buy a factory that isn't that isn't very good because they it's you know it's all it's all about the continuous improvement it. They hit it with continuous improvement until it's good, until it works. Um, and I'm like, oh, okay, this is a, this is a, this is a bad episode of TV. <laughs> um, and then there was like there was there was just some poorly thought out backstory for the driver uh, that I was just like, eh, I just, it like it's like a, like abusive dad stuff, but it's not like. I don't even dislike it because it's like exploitative or anything. I was just like, this is I don't I don't care about any of this. <laughs> I, was, I was just I just think this is kind of extremely haphazard. I you know, uh, but um, otherwise, uh, I think that show slaps. I think it's really good. Uh, I think uh, I might check out Valve Rave soon. I don't. Okay. I, don't I hear that's the one to. you shouldn't. I don't. Yeah, know. I. I am too curious, but I know bad things are. Uh, Listen, the internet made me believe that Crossange was uh, not worth my time for the longest time, and then and you know that that went well. People have turned around on it in our circles. I don't know that they've <laughs> turned around on it, but certainly, apparently, it's worth watching. <laughs> Yeah, maybe maybe Valve Rave is. I I okay. I'm not saying this unironic. I I have a feeling Valve Rave just sucks. But <laughs> I I was there. I watched it while I was airing. Uh, season one is stupid complimentary. Season two is uh, stupid derogatory. I hate myself. <laughs> Damn. Um... I still like looking because I decided to look at his body of work again. Uh, first of all, I always forget that this motherfucker is also working on Spy Family season two. Um, that's like, also, I mean, the, the thing about that is that that's an adaptation, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm not, um, I'm not here I'm saying, oh man, the writer for Time Ranger and Ryuki, I can't believe she's on JoJo. Like, it's an adaptation. Yeah, so it, it, it is different. Um, I, I still think it's incredibly funny in, like, 
his recent body of work, Devil Man Crybaby, is also in there too. Which again, nice. while an adaptation has a lot more original elements to it too. Uh, I I have just looked at a map of the geopolitics the geopolitical status of the world during the era of Valrave the Liberator. This is the most ridiculous image I've seen in a while. Uh, what? Case? Tell me if you heard this before. The world is split into three factions, but also there's a smaller neutral faction. Holy yeah, shit. Wow, God. That coincidentally Wild. lines up with Japan. I was about to say, <laughs> let, let me guess where that neutral smaller part is. <laughs> Have you guys considered what if Russia and Germany were the same faction for some reason? <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> it's, uh, it's perfect. Sounds like that Valve Rave got a, got a lot of liberating to do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, um, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. The, uh, pr- pr- Princess Principle's other factor is um, just uh, what if the relationship between two girls could be as complicated as you could possibly make it. Just excellent. Fantastic. Very uh, good. Yeah, they call it Yuri. Uh, well, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, um, it's very good. Yeah, uh, I remember liking it. I don't remember much about it, though. I did watch the one movie they made, and I was like, I don't know about this. I'm also getting crabby detached from the show, so I think I'm going to be like, I'm just going to wait until all the movies are out and maybe watch it because like mm-hmm. last year I went through a rewatch it and like watch a future like girls and panda stuff and it's doing the same thing of like, Hey, we're doing the six movie thing across like 10 years. I'm like, Oh, this sucks. And then like yeah. season movie through the three of that ends on like an abysmal cliffhanger. <laughs> and it's just like, well, I got to wait for the next one. So, you know, I, I'm getting real sick of that. Like, I it's feel like if you have even. a movie series lined up, you got to do like the unicorn like OVA thing where it's like, make sure you're getting out like one a year. You know? Yeah, yeah it's it's ridiculous. It's, it's racist. I'm dying out here waiting for Hathaway too. <laughs> I need it. I need it urgently. I need Gauman in my life again. <laughs> Same. Um, yeah, halfway. Tomino, Tomino shows are outstanding, dangerous women and guys that have ten lines. <laughs> Te- technically speaking, Hathaway is only half Tomino. But... Uh, His presence just... looms large over the, that adaptation, it though. Does a lot more than <laughs> fucking Unicorn. <laughs> oh man, the fucking oh the the. The the relationship between um anyway I'm not going to talk about Hathaway the 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 main relationship between him and girls in that movie is so weird it's so funny <laughs> yeah uh, I mean have you seen his first girlfriend <laughs> uh yes uh more power to her she's great big fan um but yeah uh, that's I have not done anything else uh, that's me. Uh, uh, I've done a few things that I don't have a lot to say of substance, but uh, I can just go through them real fast. Uh, so, on Thursdays, I have a uh, weekly RPG gaming session of Path uh, Pathfinder Kingmaker. Um, more specifically, the... Um, okay, so Kingmaker, many people probably know it as a video game. Uh, 
It is a adaptation of the original uh, big campaign for Pathfinder, uh, Kingmaker, which is about you and your party uh, basically being sent out by a nation to go reclaim some wild, like, unclaimed lands that are in this politically precarious situation where people are trying to, like, stake claims. Um, and then you, like, make a kingdom, you go out and do the adventuring RPG thing, but there's also, like, a civilization-esque uh, kingdom-building, like, subsystem on top of everything. Um, a lot of people have fond memories of this, but also the first go at it was filled to the brim with problems and was kind of polarizing, I think, in execution. Uh, the video game, uh, in the process of adapting it to, like, a computer RPG, ended up changing quite a few things, expanding certain plots and stuff like that. So now, doing the Pathfinder 2nd Edition uh, reprint, I guess you want to call it, of this adventure, they have added stuff from the video game back into the tabletop game and completely revamped how the kingdom management stuff runs. Um... So we've been doing that. Uh, I actually am not here to talk about this, though, because we ended up not having enough players to run last Thursday. So my GM, Liz, decided to run a game called Fist, which is a Metal Gear Solid uh, A-Team and Doom Patrol-inspired uh, quick narrative game that it's not really powered by the apocalypse, but it's definitely like adjacent to that line of design. Uh, it, it It's just a fun time. Uh, it... Basically, there is a organization called Fist that does wild Metal Gear style missions uh, in like an alternate universe, supernatural, like Cold War setting. Um, there's another egg. Uh, there's like another organization called Cyclops that Fist is kind of friendly. Or it's weird. Like they're not really friends, but they're not really enemies. They're just another organization doing weird shit uh, in the middle of the Cold War, trying to make money. Uh, so there's, like, a lot of wiggle room here just to make, like, fun little wild adventures. Uh, part of the enjoyment for me of this is that, uh, it is a system that characters are very loosely defined, like, mechanically. Uh, and this is done so that if someone dies, you just roll up a new guy and they basically parachute in right away. Um, okay, that's pretty fun. It's... It's very fun. It's like the inverse uh, of, like, uh, Peace Walker, where you just parachute the guy and he floats away to your base. <laughs> yes. Um, so, pretty much how characters work in this is, like, you don't even necessarily roll for stats. You roll for two traits and a roll, and those determine your stat modifiers for when you need to do rolls and stuff. Um... You can either roll on a huge table for these, or you can pick them, but we thought it'd be more fun just to roll. So I ended up with a, a, a dude in power armor that was immune to toxins, um, and his role was that he is like a, a, a like, chess master that, uh, was trying to gain absolute power to achieve a goal and i decided the goal was just the the lelouch thing of i'm going to unite the soviet union and the americans by becoming the ultimate villain oh my <laughs> <God>. <laughs> uh nothing none of this came to fruition in this mission uh we just snuck around a place uh, we had to take out we had to both destroy evidence of one guy's defection and then also take out a guy like an important political figure uh, and we decided to kill two birds with one stone by sneaking around air vents and uh, laying explosives everywhere. 
uh, and blew everything up and had a good time. Uh, I highly recommend Fist. It's available on itch.io. Uh, it has a lot of really cool random tables and tools to create your own Metal Gear style like campaign thing. Uh, and it's just a it's just even a fun game to give to your players like an hour before you would start you know playing the game or whatever and and just run it. it it's very good for that it's very rules light in a way that i i found very enjoyable and the flavor is pretty strong oh, if five years because itch doesn't have a great way of like finding what games you own um if five years ago you bought oh no not five years ago if for five dollars a few years ago you bought the bundle for racial justice and equality you own this game Oh, I own this game then. I also didn't realize that. <laughs> I realized I was it just, sent- just looking just now. <laughs> I, uh... Yeah, I yeah, sure... I, I definitely own this then. I just uh, have the PDF from my friend, so... <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Um, so yeah, highly recommend that. Uh, on the video game side of things, uh, I played a little bit of the new fighting game, Making Waves in the Scene. Oh no! Idol showdown. <laughs> um, okay, is it cringe or is it good? Both. Well, okay. Ah, oh, shit. I it's still... it's cringe and okay. <laughs> okay. I think I am more down on this than practically everyone I've talked to or have seen talk about this. I just, and I think part of that is because the two characters that so. Of the roster that's there, the two characters that I had the most interest in checking out were Botan and uh, Corone. Um, I don't really like how Botan plays at all, and Corone's alright. Uh, I started to have more fun, though, when I switched to Ayame, <laughs> uh, who's a streamer I don't watch, but uh, she she uses a sword, and uh, I like her moveset. Um, it's a little more simple compared to the others. Uh the game is about as jank as you was, you would expect, like, a fan project for a bunch of virtual influencers would be. Um, mm. That being said, online runs pretty smooth. Uh, it's just, like, the actual, like, part of it where, like, you're, you're doing moves and, like, hitting people and, and trying to string together combos and stuff like that. It just feels slightly off to me in a way that... Uh, I'm right. just kind of like, eh, I don't know. I don't know if this feels how I want it to. Um, but like the game's all right, and again, it's it's fucking free. So like any complaints I have about yeah. this, I can't really be like, oh, you know how <laughs> how dare you? It's it's just kind of like, eh, I might spend some time playing this with friends for a little bit, but I don't I don't really think it's going to be a, like a long term thing I stick with. But it's cool that it exists, mm-hmm. I guess. Uh, with all due respect to the, the the people who made it and the effort that they put into it, um, I think it's too. I, I just look looking at it, it's too meme heavy. I don't know. I I think you should like the ima stuff where it's like uh she has swords and so she uses swords and that's her thing and then like she's got like the the one reference super which is the the she got the, the funny clone things that's fine i that's fine and i i i feel like i'm drawing lines arbitrarily but they feel very real to me where i look at like <laughs> i look at like corone's like ex potato super and i'm like just shut the fuck up <laughs> the one that i kind of feel weird about and it just feels like this game draws the line of feeling very Mugeny at times, where um, like mm-hmm. one of one of Corone's like anti air anti air moves or whatever, she just turns into like an eight bit Mario, like uh, right. reskin and like punches up or whatever, uh, like doing the little iconic Mario jump or whatever. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know, I don't need that stuff. But 
uh, I download this game and I still need to play it. Not because I actually watch VTubers, but uh, solely because uh, my local scene is doing a tournament in three days, uh, less than a week nice. after launch, because it'd be funny, and I also think it'd be funny. <laughs> <laughs> it would be funny. Uh, my girl Fauna is sadly... Uh limited to being a background cameo in a menu but you know yeah there's no there's no en girls in it yet um other than in the 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 um assists yeah they should put a kiss in the eye and they shouldn't do that <laughs> uh, <laughs> that'd I, be funny uh there's like apparently a kiss in the eye anime airing this season the and... moment is passed yeah, I was about to I say saw, for who. <laughs> I saw, I saw, I saw the first episode with friends because they were just streaming it for fun, and I was just like, "This is the most bizarre thing I've ever seen." Uh, just oh no, I'm gonna be late for class. Goes into an empty auditorium and puts on a VR glasses. <laughs> <laughs> VR glasses. This is this is the future. Uh, this is the metaverse. It is, it is ridiculous. Oh, um, um, well, uh, they put they put Spice in the game. So I should probably I should probably play it a little bit. Uh, um, yeah, my friend my friend Jake was uh playing her and kicking my ass. Uh she's good. Uh she's got like music themed stuff, which means that they haven't gone all in on memes with her, which is a, a blessing to me. Um so that's good. Uh and then I have one more thing. You know, sometimes you're down on life and you feel like you can be accomplishing more. And, you know, sometimes you just have a stray thought like, what if a master tactician from many years ago was resurrected to give me guidance in life? Yo! Uh, <laughs> so me and my friend started watching your boy Kogbing. Oh, hello. Yo! Yes! <laughs> uh, okay, so first of all, before you t- start talking about this. I realize it's weird to be like, uh, don't spoil actual history, but I don't know enough about Chinese history to know how the book ends. <laughs> <laughs> and I think, I I suspect that your boy Kong Ming does tell you how that it, book ends. It does ends. in the opening scene. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, um, I have, I, I, I have got to, uh, if, you know, I, I have got to, I have seen Kong Ming's ultimate fate, at least. But uh, uh, I have not. I have not seen um, uh, uh, much beyond. Unfortunately, I haven't read Three Kingdoms past when I last brought it up on the podcast. But soon, hopefully, uh, I am very near the end. Anyway, uh, uh, it, it's very funny watching this, having almost nothing but like the basics of an understanding of Three Kingdoms. I mean, that was that was me when I watched it last year too. Uh, like it, it's kind of like the inspiration for me to actually start reading the book, even though I wanted to for like a long time anyway. Uh, but yes, continue. How's uh, it's it's a lot of fun. Um I mean the joke really is just like the joke is mostly just uh Oh, he's super, he's super fucking smart and suddenly into like this pop star who he really wants to support because she, uh, he thinks she's a great singer. So he uses all of his tactical prowess to come up with the most insane plans to make sure that she always comes out on top. Uh, and three episodes in, the, the joke is still strong. Um, my one complaint that I did say to a friend who has seen the show, um, is that, uh, for a song, or for a show that's about, musicians competing for like fame and like 
getting good deals and, and all that sort of thing. Like, this is all, like, a bunch of, like, low-level musicians that, like, maybe have local popularity trying to basically get more popular, like, rise to stardom sort of thing. Mm. And our main character is, like, practically a nobody. Uh, one one of the first few victories she gets is, oh, she has a really good show, and suddenly she has over a thousand Twitter followers now. Um, uh, sounds miserable. Uh, yeah. I, do not, I do not wish for this. <laughs> sometimes it's miserable um but uh my one complaint i had is for a show about musicians i didn't actually think that a lot of the songs they play in the show being performed by the characters were like they're all right but they weren't like amazing uh but like the the opening and ending of the show are both pretty good and i was like i i think it's kind of a shame for a show about music I think the OP and the ED are the best songs. Uh, and my f- one of my friends did say as the show goes on, the music does become a little bit more of a focus and those songs are better. So uh, I'm looking forward to that. But um, yeah, it's, it's fun seeing this uh, young, like, pop star girl just kind of be like, oh, damn, nobody, nobody wants to listen to my shit. Uh, and then Kong Ming's like, oh, I switched the signs in this room so that people would... Uh, like hover around this area and then be drawn to your performance and like just wild yes. machinations. He's like, and... this is exactly like the Battle of Red Cliffs. I don't think it is, but <laughs> this is what they're saying. Or the other one, which is, oh, I looked up the like they they go to there's some like music festival thing and they get the shittiest location possible. Um, and the walkway they're on, right before the uh, the girl, uh, Aiko is the main character's name, right before her uh, tent or whatever thing that she's performing out of is this big indie rock band that's pretty popular. But then he looks them up and he's like, oh, I know that they don't perform their most popular song, Midday, twice in a row because it's really hard on the lead vocalist's voice. And they have a bigger show tomorrow. So they're not going to play their most popular song. And if we pretend our equipment doesn't work, uh, they're going to think that they can just phone it in. But then we're going to we're going to steal the show by actually having our equipment work and having her play her best. Yes! Making them look like fools. <laughs> and like, it's, it's just really fucking good. Uh, uh, this is this is this is just what the romance of the three kingdoms is. Uh, <laughs> this is just how it goes. Uh, it is it is funny. Uh one in episode one kong ming does acclimatize really quickly to the fact he's in <laughs> 2022 he's just like oh hey i've read myself i read my wiki page <laughs> yes oh that's so funny. yeah he finds out what happens uh like through the rest of history by reading wikipedia <laughs> um, it, it's so funny <laughs> uh, he, he 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 gets hired at Aiko's club because uh the manager there just happens to be really really into three kingdoms <laughs> And he's Fantastic. just like, oh, hey, uh, someone I could be a nerd with. And he's just like, dang, <laughs> Kong Ming, who are you? And it's like, well, he told you he is Kong Ming. I do also appreciate how um, for the first five minutes of the show, Kong Ming's like, I'm in hell. This is hell. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, I, I have been sent to hell. Uh, he's like, I wish I could be born in a world with no wars. It wakes up in modern Japan. Oh no, don't make me make Kong Ming watch Pat Labor 2. I... <laughs> oh man. But yeah, I should really read Three Kingdoms at some point. Yeah, I need to get back to it. Uh it's it's really, really good. It's like it it had a lull for a bit there. The, okay. There was a little bit 
where Kong Ming wasn't actually that cool, uh, uh, and then some other characters showed up that made him cool again. Uh, so he's, he, yeah, Kong Ming's great. Love I, Kong still Ming. I, I still need to get to him. I think I'm like 10 chapters away from when he shows up. Oh, I just remember. <laughs> there's he, showed, another... he shows up so good. Uh, there's another joke in there that I'm just remembering now, but, uh, he one dealing with that like indie rock boy band or whatever uh he ends up like basically telling them how i can't remember what exactly he said but he's like oh if you didn't want to lose i simply would have performed better or something like that uh and someone goes like wasn't that a little harsh and he's like listen if this was the if this was in the past all of their heads would be like on a table right now <laughs> like it's very funny <laughs> Uh, I, re- I remember when I watched it, I was like, damn, that's harsh. And then I read the book, I was like, nah, these people are just, like, yeah. giving heads as presents sometimes. Uh, I, I, if I fail, I will abide, I will accept, I will submit to martial law, and then I fail. And it's like, well, I mean, I guess you have to cut off my head now. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to watching that. I'm also looking forward to playing the Three Kingdoms uh, Total War game. Um, it's basically, I'm just like, I'm looking once forward I'm done to playing Dynasty book, Warriors. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm just looking, I'm just, I've got so much ahead of me uh, when I'm done with this book. I'd, so, I did think, it, speaking of that Total War game, I do think it's very funny because just out of, um, you know, out of my own personal obligation, I was like, okay, I, I need to look up a pronunciation guide because I'm sure I'm saying a bunch of these names like wrong that were just appearing in the show. Uh, and the, the number one the post I found... <laughs> no, no, it won't. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> I looked it up and um, the number one post was from the Total War subreddit from a dude like, okay, listen, I know a lot of streamers don't know how to pronounce these names, but I, I need to write a guide because you people are driving me fucking nuts. Uh, not all heroes wear capes. Mm. Yeah, the the classic one was Dynasty Warriors, just getting it wrong. Cow cow. Yeah, classic. Yeah. Um, well, Mel, what have you been up to? Uh, somehow a lot. <laughs> Go for it. Okay, so uh, Sentai Segway continues. I don't have much stuff to on that because that's happened in the background. Don't worry. Uh, do we know? Do we, are we allowed to know what show it is yet? No, and also okay. it, there was a mix-up, but uh, I'll get more on that later. Uh, you know what? Here's the thing: if you said what show it was, I wouldn't even know what it is. So yeah, yeah. So I'll I'll get into more details of like what the show is later or the mix-ups because uh, you know things happen like group watches, or whatever. Anyway, don't worry about it. Uh, ah, okay. However, uh, on the subject of Sentai, I have watched beyond episode one of, and then subsequently very quickly caught up on Osama Sentai King Oger. Oh, the new one. Cur- the currently airing one. Uh, translator, no, that translates to King Sentai King Kingger. <laughs> um, so, so uh, anti-monarchy then? I'm sure you're all about that right now, Red. Uh, yeah. <laughs> there, was a, there was a party on my street earlier. Um, I just very quietly avoided. <laughs> uh, yeah, so 
took me a few episodes to get into it. But yeah, this is the currently airing Sentai. Uh, they're doing some interesting things. One, uh, they're stealing Comrade's shit by making it bug-themed. Uh, Ooh. Yeah. Cool. Uh, it's set in a fantasy world, explicitly not Earth, uh, which is oh, cool. Neat. Because Have they done that before? That seems like is a it, big is, departure. Is it, it is, is a big departure. Is it Isekai? No, it's not Isekai. Oh, let's go! Cool. Uh, like a few, like earlier this year, I finished Q Ranger, and that is a space faring show. But also for the first, like for a significant portion of the first half of the show, they're also just they go to Earth and spend a lot of time on Earth, and that was one of the reasons I fell off the show a bit because I felt like it was like, damn, mm-hmm. you had a premise and then you sold it out to just be on Earth anyway, and then I came back to the show and really enjoyed it. But uh, then just going for it, I mean, like this is a fake fantasy world uh is cool uh they are it is a bit hit or miss in execution in that that they're using kind of like heavy use of green screen to do the different locations uh which doesn't always look great but also i'm kind of like well if this is what it takes to just like have cool unique settings then i'm here for it uh so basically it's about like you got the there's like Five kingdoms. Uh, first, you have uh, the Red Ranger's kingdom, which is uh, generic. European. They're all kings. <laughs> yes. Uh, oh, they're all kings. Uh, the the generic, you know, fantasy European walled city one ruled by Rackless, who's like beloved. He's the cool king, uh, except he extremely sucks. He's absolutely the worst person. Uh, the monster's coming, and he's like, I'm gonna let the other kings die, and then I can take over and conquer the kingdoms. Uh, so he's not the actual Red Ranger. Is that The actual Red Ranger is, like, this guy called Gira, who's just, like, you know, hanging out with the poor people, and he's like, uh, Reckless, if this is your justice, then I will be the evil tyrant king who conquers and be an actual nice person. <laughs> uh, the other kingdoms, you have, uh, Yanma, the Blue Ranger of, uh, the kingdom that's uh the high tech kingdom that's all everyone there is for whatever reason uh delinquent uh and also they're all gamers. <laughs> okay, oh, I'm gonna go. I'm going to the gamer kingdom. Uh, See, ya. he's like his backstory is he grew up in like the slums and eventually climbed the rank to become uh president. He insists that he's the president. Uh, oh, they have hacking battles. Gosh. He, you know, it's like the high tech kingdom. Uh. Then you have uh, Himeno, the white yellow ranger. Uh, her kingdom is like the kingdom of flowers and stuff like that. Her thing is that she's extremely uh, ridiculously selfish. Like uh, she just blows up someone's house because it's in the middle of a field. And she's like, damn, I want the field to look nice. Uh, but she's also a, a doctor and she heals people. Uh, she has a butler named Sebastian who's like an old guy, except uh, he reveals uh, actually I'm, not, I'm only 25 this is makeup uh Sebastian's not my real name she just wanted me to commit to the butler bit really <laughs> she wanted, oh she wanted a, an old butler <laughs> uh uh then you have uh the one i stan uh the goat uh rita the purple ranger uh uh gender neutral non-binary so it's pretty cool. I have been hearing buzz about this. Uh, their kingdoms about ice and also prison. Uh, 
Because she's the cop of the team who's just like, uh, I'm gonna, I'm the neutral arbiter of justice. They go around like, basically they have like a prison kingdom and they're like arresting people and prison put on trial. kingdom? Yes. He spat out my drink. I was... <laughs> uh, finally you have uh, the Black Ranger kingdom. The Black Ranger whose name is Kagaragi Dabowski. <laughs> interesting uh his kingdom's theme is japan oh <laughs> <laughs> uh he's he's also fun because his personality is like um uh, he's like the big uh how lovable uh friendly goofball guy except he's actually a real bastard uh he's lying all the time he's scheming <laughs> uh he's just he's like oopsie uh i may have accidentally gave him the wrong poison oops uh does the uh the cop anime girl gif while uh camera pans away <laughs> and he's just like giving an evil smirk he's like oh you fucker uh incredibly entertaining cast um and yeah it's all about right now uh gira's like a fugitive who's like liked by the other kings uh because rackless does extremely suck but rackless is extremely popular within his own kingdom uh, to point out, there's this a recurring character who's just like a guy who's just like absolutely drinking the sauce uh, with their propaganda. He he does pay for Twitter. Um. <laughs> <laughs> no. I, I I I think Rackless and Gira should get together and rank the heroes of the age. Uh, yeah, one day they will. Uh, probably. Uh, apparently, it hasn't they haven't appeared yet? But the sixth ranger is like a spider themed ranger called Jeremy. <laughs> who is also the narrator? Oh my god! <laughs> I just think I just think it's funny. His name is Jeremy. Uh, that is very uh, that funny. is not that is not that is not the funniest white white person name that we're going to be talking about on this week's episode. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so far it's been interesting because like they're like always they're obviously like Sentai suits. Let me give you the. Have you seen the suits? Yeah. Uh, no. Yes, I have. I, I, I feel like I have not. Yeah, I'm just gonna look in the chat. Uh, they're obviously like yeah, it's obviously a Sentai so Um. But like, they're, it, they're doing a lot because they don't—they're not a team yet, and they're acting pretty individually. They're just like the five kings. God, uh, I love this fucking Lego theme park they're standing behind. Yeah. Um, yeah, they got cool capes on their shoulder. I love the cape on the shoulder look in general. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it can't, it's kind of like a vibe. It's a bit sometimes of like writer where like they're obviously all meant of like a similar power set, and that's why they have a similar look to them. But like they're also more acting individually, or they they have similar goals and aren't necessarily a team yet. It's going to be working towards mm-hmm. that. Notably, like King Ocher is the name of the robot and not the team. Um, uh. Yeah. Uh, also notes Rackless. You know, can't turn into Red Ranger, which is like a big oh no, why can't I turn into it? But he does like a few episodes in become like a silver palette swap, uh, and they, it's a cool duel. Uh, but yeah, uh, that's cool. To, I to, should, I could just start watching the show because it's not should. that many episodes in. Yeah, it's like I think like ten episode ten just aired. Uh, you can catch up. Yeah, uh, and then get to Don Brothers. Because <laughs> you know, I, I, I still need to I, watch I am... Don Brothers. I, I you know I I'll tell myself that it's it's uh like a like a sort of like a separate like uh, uh Marxist appreciation uh for uh, interest in feudal things but there might just be some kernel of being British in me that is like 
what if kings were cool i, I mean i i just i just feel like the ideology of the show is that tweet that jackson made about talking to the therapist about the monarchy yes <laughs> um but yeah uh yeah i was after the first episode i wasn't sure i was feeling but like a couple of the few episodes and i was like oh yeah i'm sold i like i like the cast i like what they're doing uh it's like re- it does feel like they just sentai recently has been like really fresh in like a lot of the recent seasons and it's been cool and it does make me feel like i'm more invested in like prioritizing like modern sentai overrider because like i'm like 14 episodes behind on geese and i do want to catch up because i remember liking i was enjoying it but i'm also just like i've also seen like <laughs> the more recent rider shows and i'm like uh, they could just do the mm-hmm. thing i don't like again every season <laughs> or like go through the motions uh but yeah uh that nice uh talk about this more as the show goes on it's like obviously still airing and so you know but i'm happy to be on board uh next uh this past friday was the fifth day of the fifth month of the fifth year of the reiwa era oh my Uh, fucking yeah right yes which meant uh toei celebrated the anniversary of Kamen Rider Fies spelt 555 with the announcement of a sequel movie. Um, I heard. Uh, and so pop- everyone losing their minds. Uh, I lost my mind because Fies is my second favorite writer show and in my top three toku shows, period. Uh, so I was like, oh, fuck yeah. I don't know what the fuck you're going to do after the ending of Fies, uh, but I'm here for it. Uh, but what, what is Fies about? I've not gotten to that one yet. Okay, so I will give a brief premise because it's going to lead into the thing I'm actually going to talk about that I saw. I can't um, believe it's not a Sentai thing. Because like, it, it's called Five. Yeah, because <laughs> you see, he, he transforms by he has a cell phone that he puts in his belt and he dials 555 to transform. Okay. Uh, and then uh, his his suit is themed like the letter Phi. Uh Oh yes, it the is, Greek let yes, it the is, Greek uh, there, there are layers to this. Um it's basically uh Fies is about uh there's for some reason it's like some people are dying, uh, but when they die they get reborn kind of as a a strange race of creatures called Orphnox, which are like, Oh, we are the next evolution of humanity and we have to turn more of humanity into um Orphnox, and there's like a evil corporation called Smart Brain, which is all about like getting the Orphnox to like do the thing where they try and kill people and turn them out towards their side. Um, but not all of them are like that, and so the the corporations like we have a course of apparatus to force the people who don't cooperate to go kill people, basically. Um, and there's a bit of a bait and switch where like the first episode is about uh, a guy called kiba yuji who like dies but then comes back as an orphanock and like sees like oh no i died and came back and my perfect life is gone and ruined and i lose my mind uh and flip out but now i'm like i feel bad about killing it for what i knew <laughs> uh and he sort of like tries to be like the guy, the friendly orphanock who's like i just want to be peaceful and that you know i want to live with humans co coexistingly and meanwhile the actual protagonist is like a guy called Inoue Takemi, who's just like this loner who's really standoffish and flippant and doesn't really know what he's living for or believing in, but he does kind of feel like 
you know, even though he doesn't have any, there's a famous line in like episode six where he's like, I don't have any dreams, but I can fight for other people's dreams. So he's sort of like, he sees, he he ends up with the Fies built and uses it to fight, uh, you know, the Orphanox who are like rampaging. And it's sort of like, it is written by Toshiki Inoue. And uh, if you uh, know anything about like Dawn Brothers, you know, he's a big fan of uh, people not knowing each other's identities. Uh, in Dawn Brothers, that's played for comedy, but in, uh, Fies is played for drama. Uh it, with extreme irony, uh, the degree of miscommunication with uh, based around a show where everyone transforms using cell phones. Um, there's Be looking at that phone. Uh, the five suit is one of my favorites. The secondary is a guy called Kusaka, who extremely just sucks in a way, and most other secondary writers don't. Like, usually, second writers are like standoffish rivals, uh, who are just like they're on the same side but like um they used to like still like heroic and eventually come together uh kasaka just is a bastard <laughs> and he's just like okay. out out here to ruin uh, takami's life because he's just like he's like jealous uh and cre- grossly possessive of like the female friend mari uh he does at one point while in the rain just in anguish say to takami uh quoting char's line mari is someone who could be a mother to me <laughs> fantastic um and yeah there's like things you know i'm not gonna spoil the end of thighs but like things go crazy with like shifting alliances it is a show where like the belts exchange hands multiple times uh and people's like motivations change depending on context uh you know takumi and UG become like good friends but also uh in their alter ego forms they are rivals and like antagonists to each other and they're always fighting and it's sort of like they don't know who the other one is uh and stuff like that and then uh you know Kusaka just like uh I don't want these two to get along so I'm gonna deliberately make sure they always hate each other uh so you know but I I do love that show a lot uh it's it's definitely a show where like the theme is like uh traumatized people who go through tragedies have difficulty like communicating and that can like lead to greater tragedies as a result Mm -hmm. uh that's sort of like a recurring part of the show um and so with that in mind i really like the show but i never saw the movie for it uh so i decided to spend five's day watching that movie called comrade five's paradise lost um oh my fucking god (laughs) Not it, not as good of a title as Common Rider Kabuto Godspeed Love. I, my I, personal favorite. I, I do need to see Godspeed Love at some point. <laughs> that um, movie is insane. <laughs> um, but yeah, Paradise Lost is like, and it is a show. It, was, it, it aired halfway in the show's run, uh, and so it does the thing that a lot of these movies do in that era, where they were like, like modern show, modern writer movies usually end near the end of a show's run, and they can usually be a little more like hey this is situated in like in the low shows late game this is like a lot of the shows in like the 2000s were like uh this is halfway through the show's run uh this is an au i guess uh an au alternate ending uh, and so there's one of those where like uh there's in the future there's an alternate world where like the smart brain won and like most of the world is orphanox and used to have like the human resistance uh and takumi is missing mm-hmm. Uh, until he, you know, you know how it is. He, he's missing. Uh, he's there with amnesia, but then he gets amnesia halfway through the movie, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, one of the major characters uh, does just beef it 
one third of the way through the movie to uh, one of the the original movie writers who is a guy who does not speak Japanese and so he is just speaking English the entire time. <laughs> nice. Uh, um, the it's it, it's interesting as like a it's not like a it's a cool movie. Uh, it's not like amazing. Uh, definitely like weaker than the show, but like it is a movie. It does kind of re over go over like in a condensed way a lot of the similar plot beats that the end game of the show that had not happened yet would get to, uh, mm-hmm. but just you know in an alternate context. Uh, so it does have like a re- one character like going through like a a heel turn, uh, one character's identity being revealed, uh, Fize's ultimate form being like revealed with fanfare because it is technically its debut before it showed up in the show itself. Um, mm. uh, they do there's some cool fights. Uh, it is interesting just having the con- having an interesting like alternate perspective of the characters where they're like in like a you know quote unquote dystopian they're trying to rise up against like the evil empire kind of situation uh, though it does kind of end with kind of an open ending where it's like well what are we gonna do now um, uh, a lot of the themes of like miscommunication go over where like the human resistance has a lot of like internal squabbling that creates a lot of problems uh, especially because like they're extremely hostile to even like UG's faction who is like you know the nice orphanox because uh, you know in this in this setting like ever since the orphanox are like the standard instead of, it's not like the secret war instead of it's a lot more like the identities are known mm-hmm. um, which is like an, another interesting spin on things uh, but yeah it was just you know it's kind of a, it's, it's one of the things like I appre- it's kind of appreciated like oh yeah it's nice to see the characters again uh didn't blow me away it is one of those things where i feel like you definitely need to have seen at least some of the show to know what the fuck uh, right because it's not it's not like they introduce you to the characters or anything uh but, you know that's kind of standard for these kind of movies uh they're like mm-hmm. oh the people who are going to watch this are the kids who are watching this on tv right now uh so like they expect you to know the characters i uh, it does feel weird because like it is an alternate AU movie that like aired ha- before it aired halfway into the show but like it does technically spoil some plot directions by like doing them and I'm like I don't know maybe you should watch this after you watch the show but you know right it's it's weird uh, talking movies are weird like that sometimes um mm-hmm. but yeah it was it was just fun uh it just felt nice to revisit the show on like it's the the day to commemorate like it's 20th anniversary like I'm pretty sure the show started airing like earlier in the year than that but you know five 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 so i uh, i think i i think i realized i have a thing with this show that i had with ultraman taiga and ultraman tiga where i think in my head i've been conflating common rider forze with common rider five uh incidentally forze is my favorite rider show <laughs> but uh the also funny that like in geo the Hey, the send-off show to the Heisei era of writers, which was like doing a tribute anniversary season, uh, they smashed the Force and Fize arc into the same arc. By coincidence. Nice. Um, uh, but yeah, uh, I just want to note uh, the new Fize movie is called Parado- Paradise Regained. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Absolute uh, geniuses. Uh, yes, uh, big-brained uh, it is a, it is to be clear a sequel to the show and not to the movie but you know 
they yeah i was about to ask that seems like it's the sequel to the they they did the thing because it would be kino (laughs) okay Uh, okay Uh, uh, they bring back a lot of the same actors and characters and and the writing team so you know that's cool uh sadly yuji's actor cannot come because he died in 2015 to the illness uh but you know r.i.p yeah uh nice yeah uh Another thing I'm going to go over quickly, uh, I did, I watched the uh, five episode 1993 OVA, Ah My Goddess, uh, because of the beach house coming up. What uh, is that? It's about uh, a guy named Keichi who's in college and uh, he gets a goddess to come through the help hotline and the goddess is like i'll give you a wish and i think he's just like uh can i have a girlfriend as a joke and then she becomes his girlfriend uh and um i don't know i don't know what to think of this one because it is a <laughs> five episode ova of a manga that is extremely doing condensed greatest hits plot beats uh right and so i'm just like I feel like the the main character Keichi and like the main girl Bell Dandy are nice. Her name is Bell Dandy. Yes. <laughs> uh yeah, she sure is. Uh they're nice, but they're also not necessarily remarkable. Uh mm-hmm. and the, the the side characters are more fun. Like uh I really like uh Keichi's sister Megami, who's who's like, you know, just she's just cool and a tease and she makes good faces. Uh then there's both of Bell Dandy's sisters, who are also goddesses, who come. Uh, there's like Erd, who's like a big flirt who does flirt with Keiichi, but her goal or intentions are she just extremely wants to be a good wingman <laughs> to him. She's like, uh, please do uh, be more forward with your my sister, who is your girlfriend. Please do. Uh, this is kind of lame <laughs> the way you're just being a coward. Um, uh, and then there's also like Skald, who's the younger sister who's like jealous of Keiichi for taking her sister away, etc. And she's like good with, she's got a hammer uh, and she's good with machines, I guess. I don't know. There's like five episodes. I don't have a lot to go off. <laughs> uh, there's a, there's like a bike race in one of the episodes. Cause I guess Keiichi's in the motorcycle club with his sister or something. Uh, there's two guys who are like his senpais or something. I don't know. I feel like, I feel like I don't have a lot to go off of here, and I feel like there's stuff I could theoretically right. enjoy, but I don't know if there's enough here for me to enjoy it as it is. And there's a sequel movie, which might be cool, but also, like, there's just, like, 2000s series that's, like, a more thorough adaptation that goes for, like, over 26 episodes. And, like, maybe that is enjoyable, and maybe a better way to experience it that, like, actually goes through the characters, but also is, like, the gamble of, like, uh, maybe this didn't click with me because it's too brief for me to latch onto it. Uh, but all the alternative is I could watch the 26 episode thing and feel like, oh, this is just not interesting to me, and I'm going through 26 episodes of the thing I don't care about. <laughs> me, 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 wondering why the beach house isn't covering the manga. Me looking up how long the manga is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my best friend growing up really liked. I'm a, I'm pretty sure it was the manga. Uh, I remember hearing a lot about Ah My Goddess many many years ago and none of it has stuck with me <laughs> it it ran from 1988 to 2014 oh okay. jesus okay yeah uh yeah in comparison the anime does go, this ova does go at a clip I mean, mm-hmm. uh 
Maybe maybe I'll wait uh and see about the movie later or something. I don't know. Uh I'll think about it. Yeah, it's better than Bubblegum Crisis. I'll give it that, but you know. That's not hard. Yeah, it's not. Peak vibes yeah. city show. Yeah. And that's about it. <laughs> yeah. I didn't even talk about finishing that because I'm just like, yeah, this yeah, yeah. It looks and sounds okay. <laughs> yeah. It evacuated my brain again. <laughs> yeah. I should get to that other stupid shit in that same universe, though. I bet I won't like it. There's yeah. some, like, actual, like, evil shit yeah, I that remember. I read in an episode I summary. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> One of the AD police summaries is just, like, reprehensible misogyny. <laughs> yeah, just, like, the worst thing I've ever read in my life. Um, it was wild. Uh, yeah. Uh, one last thing. I also finished Paper Mario last night. <laughs> How was Paper Mario? Oh, hell yeah. Uh, I really like that game. Uh, so when I last talked about it, it was like I got to like chapter three. Uh, and there's eight chapters in the game total. Uh, and it's, you know it's just nice. I feel like we talked to, on the mechanic side. We mostly talked about everything there. Uh, just you know, uh, it's cool. Just. Building off that, how the ways it goes, the badge system is cool. Uh, did immediately put on the uh, qu- quick partner swap badge as soon as I got it and kept it on there because uh, I like Final Fantasy X and being able to change partners on the fly. Um, I feel like there's a lot of varied ideas in the chapters and they can be pretty fun. Chapter 4 is like the Shy Guys toy box and so it's fun you know, you dive into a toy box like thing and there's a cool puzzle where it's like, oh, you got to find the train that's actual an actual toy. Uh, but if you bring it into the toy box, it's, uh, oh, it's toy size. But if you throw it into the box, uh, then it becomes the regular size. I, it makes more sense in the game uh, than I'm explaining to it. That was my favorite area as a kid. Uh, there's a Yoshi's Island. Either you go on a jungle, uh, you go and explore with, uh, you explore the jungle with Colorado, the archaeologist Koopa who does wear a pith helmet. Uh, yep. and, is, <laughs> and is a terrible husband. Uh, he's kind of obnoxious in that chapter three, honestly. But like you know, uh, how I, I wonder what the rate the the ratio is on episodes where we've talked about pith helmets versus episodes where we haven't. <laughs> There's at least four. Yeah, it's it's going to be shockingly high. I hope that it goes down as we get further along into <laughs> the time. Well, when we get to Ultraman Pith, it's going to be really. I... <laughs> Ultraman head that's designed like a pit helmet. <laughs> oh no. Um I think chapter six is like maybe the weakest one because it's just like you go to the flower fields and then like the world is designed like a spoke wheel and you're just doing a bunch of fetch quests along there. Like the vibes are kind of neat, but just like the things you have to do are kind of annoying. I remember that one being a lot of boring puzzles yeah, involving like raising and lowering water levels. There isn't really there is raising water levels in like Bowser's castle at the end, but like it was like for two rooms is pretty basic uh oh yeah you did have to raise the water level you'd have to like fill the water at a fountain somewhere but like you know it's mostly just yeah. running back and forth across the area a couple times it's kind of annoying is is that the one where the boss is like a big smog cloud yes uh and also- they revisit they revisit that like idea for a boss in thousand year door and do it a lot better there okay yeah you also get your last partner in that chapter six of eight which is surprised me and uh he is uh a guy who doesn't stick with me because he sure does come late i'm just like well you only exist so i can cross spikes sorry that's Uh, how i feel about naoto and persona 4 
Yeah. Just it's like, I'm sorry. It's you, how you I feel so about <laughs> it's how I feel about that guy with the helicopter backpack in Dark Cloud. I have never played. Oh that my one. god! You know what? I love Dark Cloud. Do not remember that person's name. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, chapter seven and like takes place in like the snow town. Uh, starts off with like something I wish the entire chapter was about, where it's like a oh, it's a penguin murder mystery, but it's kind of a fake out instead. Uh, but you do get to go through a really cool like mansion castle dungeon where it's like a mirror gimmick and like going through the it's it's neat there's cool stuff there some of the best music in the game is in that area yeah too. uh there's some good bits where like there's these ghosts who are like duplicating and he's like no i'm the real partner no i'm our, i'm the real partner believe me um and then like the the final chapter you know you go through bowser's dungeon it's a cool dungeon where you get to like go through all of the you know you get to use all your partner's powers uh, and then you reach Peach's castle at the top because, like in this game, Bowser lifted Peach's castle up in the air through his own castle. Uh, and because, like in this game, you spent intermissions between... of the kingdom. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> King Oger. Um, a lot of Mar- oh, I forgot something. I played this. So whatever, it's fine. <laughs> shut up! Shut up! Shut up! Don't get us. Uh, <laughs> you said the Pinkertons after you. <laughs> um. Uh yeah yeah so you it's it's because each chapter of after each chapter of Paper Mario you um you have a little intermission where you get to play as Peach a bit and like do fun things sneaking around the castle uh you go into the castle and it's just like oh yeah it's like the places you did stuff with as Peach uh and so you're like oh if I uh there's a toad here I can use him to heal oh there is this a one up mushroom that I saw as Peach in the library and I can go get it now as Mario because I can jump. Um, and then, uh, you know, you go fight Bowser, uh, and, you know, uh, spoilers for, uh, the 20 year old Mario game, I guess, but, uh, there is a really cool moment where, like, you know, there's been this, like, little baby star who's been helping, go as a liaison, helping Peach and being a liaison, liaison between her and Mario called a twink, unfortunately. Yep. <laughs> um, I have seen this screenshot. <laughs> uh, and there's just, like, a good moment where, like, you know, ba- Mario, like, beats Bowser's first phase, then, like, his second phase is like, oh, no, Bowser's invincible, and then you do an intermission where Peach and Twink fight uh, Bowser's, like, is it Kamek, or is it, like, a different, it might be, like, Kami Koopa or whatever, it's, it's, it's a magic Koopa or something. I'm pretty sure it's Kamek. Yeah, but anyway. Oh, wait, no, it's, um, no, it's different in, uh, Paper Mario. Yeah, yeah, so whoever, find whoever Bowser's, like... Magic Koopa is uh, Cammy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Cammy. They do a fight. It's like unlosable, but still, like you know, oh man, you're doing an f- actual fight with these two. Uh, and then after you do this fight, you can like now Mario can actually be Bowser for real. And then you beat him. And then uh, the day is saved. Uh, you get a montage. Uh, you get invited to Peach's castle. And then uh, Luigi gets to actually do something in this game besides be passive aggressive at home. And he leads a parade in the during the credits. <laughs> uh and it's just you know, nice it's, it's a it's a good video game uh i like i like this more than superstar saga but also i played superstar saga pre-pandemic to be honest uh that's mm-hmm. also a good game uh one day i will go back and beat my rpg to completion because i've only played a half of it uh but also uh you know i'll eventually play thousand year door and bowser's inside story and some other Mario rpgs but yeah did you fight the ultimate boss in the dojo yes 
That's a fun fight. Yeah, uh, I use Gimbario for that because him doing like the I'm going to charge for four turns and then do a billion damage with the multi-bonk is just fun. I didn't use him for most of the fights, but uh, mostly because Bombat being able to bomb everything is very useful for enemy encounters. But uh, the, How do you feel about uh, the Virgil of the game, Junior Trupa? <laughs> uh, he is very goofy. Uh I do I like, like I do lot. like how you just go I uh, beat him and he leave the screen and the se- chapter seven you leave the screen he's just frozen it's like well f to you oh uh so I have not played this game since I was very young but if I'm not mistaken he just shows up at the end with fucking wings right for his final fight uh, he does that he does that like early on too like and oh okay in chapter like six after between chapter five and six uh you ride the whale back to toe town uh and he's like just got to yoshi's island uh, as you're leaving uh and so he swims after you and he's like oh no i swam uh so i have like only 20 health uh my health bar was reduced for this boss fight <laughs> but anyway i'll use my final wing form and then you beat him and he's like you know i probably could have saved the hp if i use my wing form to get here <laughs> uh, uh the jokes in the game are good um i do like you know uh, I do feel like the Toad Town is like more lively, like more stuff happens in it early on. Eventually, it does be this side quest do get reduced to? Uh, there's a Koopa who you go around, who's an old man, and you do errands for him. Uh, and also, there's like a guy doing quizzes, but like you know, there's as much stuff later on in, to do in town. Uh, it is amusing that when you own like the Penguin Town in Chapter Seven, they're like, "Oh man, I got a souvenir from Toad Town, the big city." And I'm like, "Oh yeah, uh, I guess it does have six screens compared to every other <laughs> urban area in this <laughs> in this game." Uh, but yeah, God, I so I I've been meaning to like get back to that for a long time, and I almost pulled the trigger on it because you you were talking about it. Um, but then it came out that like. This seems to be the latest in a long line of Nintendo 64 games getting unofficial PC ports. Uh, so I think I might just wait for that to be out. <laughs> yeah. uh, you could just play Superstar Saga, though. Yeah, I don't like the I don't like the Mario and Luigi games as much. Yeah, they're fun. I like but... I liked I liked it when I played it. But also, I'm like, I do feel like there is something about Paper Mario that I did enjoy more. I don't know what to put my finger on it, though. I also do like that Mario and Luigi does have Luigi in it. True. Year of Luigi. Never ended. It's uh, the decade of Luigi. True. Century. Ultraman. Let me tell you about Ultraman. Uh, so, I just want to interject first. To like a, a couple weeks ago, we were like, oh man, this is the strongest batch of Ultraman episodes yet. I think it's been surpassed this week. Uh, yes, I agree. I, yes. Same. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, beginning... Opening strong, strong middle, strong end. Uh, episode sixteen, science patrol into space. Um, a rocket built by a man named Otori is making its first voyage. Its destination, Venus. The science patrol are on standby in case of emergency, as the rocket se- uh, schedule was rushed to beat a race against uh, Iwamoto's uh, own Phoenix rocket. Uh, luckily, there is no disaster, and Ide wants to crack open the champagne, but Muramatsu's a buzzkill. He's like, no, we're going to drink coffee. Um, Hoshino is back. 
He's upset that Iwamoto's rocket lost the race, uh, but Muramatsu asks him which is the braver and more proper way to live, to take risks on a rocket that will probably work, or to take the time to make sure it definitely works. Um, while Otori is broadcasting video from his spaceship of him eating a meal, first of all, Ide's losing his mind. Um, yes, and second, making the weirdest noise. He's just like, oh man, I'm going to pretend to eat too. <laughs> Why? Ide, what's going on? Buddy... Um, but also, a strange signal gets mixed into the video. Uh, the squad dial into the signal, and it's Baltan. <laughs> Let's fucking go. Uh, Baltan issues a statement saying the survivors of Ult Ultraman's attack have found safe haven on planet R, but they haven't given up on Earth. The Baltan said, uh, Otori's, uh, the said raid. That's a different letter. <laughs> <laughs> the Boltons raid Otori's rocket and possess him. Um, his SOS is now bait for the SSSP, and while they come to space to rescue Otori, the real Bolton invasion of Earth can begin. Uh, the squad ask uh, Iwamoto for the Phoenix rocket so that they can carry out the rescue, uh, but Iwamoto refuses and offers instead to strap some of his rockets to the back of the VTOL. Uh, this works, and Muramatsu, Arashi, and Hayata make the trip to Otori's ship and pick him up. Meanwhile, at home, a blue glowing meteor-looking thing, the Baltan spaceship, arrives. Uh, it shoots out hundreds of Baltans, all little mini-models. It's great. They fly in, like, V-formation. Um, it's fantastic. Uh, Ide dogfights with them using the new gun he's designed, the Mars-133. He somehow sticks it through the windshield of the jet. Yes. I have no idea what's happening here. Um, anyway, Ide's efforts aren't enough. They need Ultraman. Where is Ultraman? In space, the rescued Otori does a proper villain laugh, and the squad in the VTOL crash land on Venus. Um, Otori uses gravity powers to defeat Arashi, and then transforms into a giant Baltan. Um, Hayata hits the button, Ultraman appears, and the rematch begins. Now, you'll notice I phrase that differently to how I usually do. <laughs> um... <laughs> The Baltan opens some plates on its chest uh, to reveal a mirror that reflects the Spatium Beam. Uh, Ultraman responds by cutting the Baltan in half with the Destructo Disc and then teleporting to Earth to defeat the rest of the Baltans. This takes up lots of energy, teleporting to Earth, by the way, so it shortens his, uh, his time that he can spend in Ultraman mode. Allegedly. Uh, allegedly. <laughs> Back on Venus... Muramatsu and Arashi examine the inanimate body of Hayata. They say he's alive, but looks almost soulless. Uh, they wonder how they're going to get to Earth when suddenly they see the arrival of the Phoenix rocket. Uh, Iwamoto greets Muramatsu and Hoshino watches with a smile in full squad gear. Uh, the end. What the fuck, Ultraman? What's... <laughs> uh, Hayata... So, we are introducing uh, some debatable... <laughs> some um some debate about how the transformation into ultraman works <laughs> yeah. um because it sure it sure seems like this episode is saying like he's his soul transforms into ultraman and his body is just there <laughs> but also we the other episode yeah we saw him teleport um so uh this is a mystery without an answer. Um, I'm glad that we now don't know how it works anymore. <laughs> yeah. 
I I I figured he just got back really really fast, as preposterous as it could possibly be. <laughs> but it it I I feel really weird about the teleportation stuff in general because like literally the Baltans like. If we cause two fights to occur at once, Ultraman can only go to one of them. So, like, regardless, we're going to win either way. And then suddenly the narrator, <laughs> after the first bolted fight, just goes, uh, Ultraman can teleport. It just makes him really tired. <laughs> um, uh, and Goku along... Transmission. Yeah, a, a lot... Just speaking of Dragon Ball, God, you're right, though. That is just a Destructo disc. <laughs> um, I do think it's funny that, like, uh, the footage of him cutting both Boltons in half is the same footage. Yes, exactly uh, the same. I am happy Ultraman has more powers now, but at the same time, I feel like the way they are introduced in these episodes is very convenient for dealing with the problem, but, like, you know, it's a kid show. <laughs> um, uh, the Boltons are back. Let's go. Um, like, we haven't given up Earth because you did genocide us. Yeah, we haven't given up on the... I mean, you know, on the one hand, they haven't given up on Earth. On the other hand... Uh, I do support their quest for revenge. <laughs> Same. I'm rooting for the Baltans. Does feel weird? Like the show is implicit. Like uh, the, the the show seems to think that oh, uh, Ayato was Ultraman was correct to genocide them, uh, and he does have to finish the job. Yeah, he's he's just like yeah. Ultraman. Ultraman hasn't quite committed full genocide yet. <laughs> he will get there. Uh, Ayato's just like indignant. Like I thought I killed them all. <laughs> what the fuck? It, it It is wild how the first time, and also these were both uh, directed by Ijima, by the way, so like same same person in charge, like both this and the last yeah, Bolton I've, episode. I've, I've heard that like, whenever there is a Bolton episode in future Ultra stuff, it's this guy. Oh, interesting. Oh, okay, that's fantastic. Um, but it, it is so funny to me how what little sympathy the show offered to their plight as a species is just gone immediately by the second time they show up. They're on a Skype call laughing maniacally about how they're going to take over Earth. And it's just like, oh, okay, we're... <laughs> These are just stock bad guy now. <laughs> that's that's I, something. I, I, am perfectly, I am perfectly happy with them just being stock bad guys. Uh, uh, if only because uh, it just means I don't other than the original episode i just don't really have to think i <laughs> yeah yep. I'm, I'm i'm good uh you know having to like uh elaborate on just like the the difference between ultraman being ultraman being a show where it's like no we must uh we must stop the invaders um being different to when in real life there are actual invaders <laughs> I, I do think it's very interesting how the, the juxtaposition between episodes like this and then what we're getting with, uh, I'm assuming Jisoji's doing more episodes of the show. There's We got a lot of episodes left, uh, and people seem to have a lot of thoughts, at least from what I covered last time, about his contribution to the series. Just the dichotomy between this type of alien invasion plot and him being like, oh, humans are only humans don't want to coexist with any of these creatures they just want to deal with the problem out of convenience and like mm -hmm. there's something to dig into there um it's very interesting i'm curious to see how that dichotomy develops if it does at all for the rest of the series yeah i mean i i uh and when i talked about it a bit in the production history of the show but like the writers did have disagreements between what the show 
wanted to be and that maybe is coming across in some of the episodes where they're just like having mm-hmm. different views on like humanity and aliens i guess mm-hmm. yeah um the uh i i can't i like the the general message that muramatsu is giving hoshino it's um it's not really otori's fault that he got attacked by aliens I, like yeah. he didn't he didn't make the rocket bad in the end like the rocket didn't actually fail uh in any way um which like if they had done and i realize you know you know they could probably do this uncontroversially back then because you know like shit like challenger hadn't happened uh if they had done some shit where the rocket didn't work and just kind of exploded at some point uh you know that could have maybe hammered home with the point a bit uh but uh, otherwise, I just you know this is a cool episode. The whole thing with like the mini Boltons being like thrown out dozens at a time from that <laughs> that spaceship, and just there's a lot of reuse of the episode uh, that we where the uh, refinery was under attack, um, where they just use shots of refinery uh, stuff exploding. To, in place of houses <laughs> and things. Um, because, you know, fair play. Uh, they blew their budget on that because it was a really expensive episode, I imagine. Yeah, I mean, it looks good. <laughs> um, I'm I'm not going to lie. The Jet VTOL and the uh, Mini Boltons having an incredible dogfight sequence made me go, oh, I should, I should really get around to Ace Combat. There should be an Ace Combat about this the thing is everyone should get around to ace combat ace combat I, is uh so good i'll be honest there's a part of me that's like you could to make an ace combat game in about ultraman to be honest <laughs> you could i've been thinking this i mean for like they, years. they made one about sky crawlers anything's possible the, you right you the thing is start a sentence going you could make an ace combat about x is how we got near <laughs> You know uh, what? That is true. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, by the way, that that last rock at the end is not aerodynamic. Uh, it is not. <laughs> uh, it 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 does have a nice uh way of landing though. It's it's got I... like weird like nub like Nabu spaceship spikes on the bottom. Uh, also, I very much enjoy their interpretation of Venus. Oh people. yeah, you can just go out there. Yeah, you don't need a helmet. <laughs> yeah. It's just a, it's just a Star Trek planet. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> more on whether or not you need a helmet later this episode. <laughs> 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 um. Well, uh, do we have anything else about episode sixteen of Ultraman? Uh, nope. It was another Ijima one who again was. Uh the person who has done episodes such as the... Oh, Jesus, I, I lost my place here. Hold on. Um, Defeat Gomez, uh, SOS Mount Fuji, previous Baltan episode, um, Rainbow's Egg, Super Underground Express Goes West, uh, your challenge from the year 2020. So he's, he's, he's got some misses in there, but when he hits, he hits. Yeah. Uh, you know I think both the Bolton episodes I, are hits for me. I can see a through line between Kemmer and the Boltons, and I like it. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think we yeah, noted that definitely. last time, too. There's, there's like, definitely, like, 
he has a look for the creepy alien that I think is very strong. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, just happy to see the Boltons again. Uh, we were like, oh man, there's so many Boltons. We could have return episodes. No, they got genocide. Actually, they're back. Yeah, you didn't get all of them, you son of a bitch. Uh, I do enjoy how they're like, oh, we have anti-spacium beam, like, tech now, and it's literally just a the tiniest mirror device on the chest that, like... <laughs> I, re- I really hope Ultraman shoots me directly in the chest I like and how, nowhere else. I like how Ultraman's protective of, oh, you can deflect beams, uh, is to get a buzzsaw, like it's IBO or something. <laughs> yeah. Just it's 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 really funny the way that like the it cuts the Boltan in half because like he like the Boltan's like leapt at Ultraman and it's just like head first and then down like bisects him and it's just so funny <laughs> he just splits apart and falls. I also like how the first one okay we we're just gonna cut this one in half the second one I'm gonna cut it in half and then spacium beam and blow up both halves <laughs> just to be sure. He's just like I need to finish this job. I can't believe I left this kind of mess behind. <laughs> Never again. Um, uh, do we think we get a third Balton episode? Uh, we've never I, had a. We've never had a third. Like uh, we did. Total is Pegola. That's <laughs> true. True. <laughs> um. We. I hope so. I hope we get more. I hope. I. I hope we get more Balton. Um, I would like one more Balton episode before the show is over. That'd be cool. Because as we've learned, the episodes where the aliens speak are really cool. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, I I would segue into episode eighteen, but we have episode seventeen to cover first. <laughs> yes. Uh, which is also good. Episode seventeen is called "Passport to Infinity." A man called Sir Yesterday taps a blue rock with a hammer and the rock kidnaps him and takes him to the fourth dimension. A strong opening <laughs> to an episode. <laughs> um, the squad investigates Yesterday's disappearance and finds out he must have secretly acquired a meteor from a desert he visited recently. Uh, Ide and Arashi conclude someone must be after the meteorite. Uh, they investigate. They're wrong, but, you know, that's a sensible deduction. But they are wrong, unfortunately. Uh, they investigate Sir Yesterday's residence and discover the meteorite is gone too. Outside, Yesterday is returned to our world and wakes up yelling, Fukui, danger, uh, which is my reaction to the possibility of a moon gun to anime. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, Ide and Arashi find out Fukui is a friend of Yesterday, and Yesterday gave him a similar meteorite as a gift. Uh, Arashi hurries to Fukui. Meanwhile, the blue meteorite is found in the road by a guy called Professor Kawaguchi, uh, who takes it back to his lab. In the middle of testing, the lab is transported to the fourth dimension, and the squad is called in to help. Um, Arashi, meanwhile, has retrieved a red meteorite from Fukui and brought it back to base for safekeeping. Hayata and Muramatsu arrive at the lab, which has been returned to our dimension. They rescue Kawaguchi, retrieve the blue meteorite, which they stash back at base alongside the red one. So that's the current state of things. We've got the blue meteorite and the red meteorite in one place. The squad says, well, the problem must be happening because the rocks were separated, and now they're together. Everything will be fine. Meanwhile, so yesterday explains to Hoshino uh, that the two rocks should not be put together because terrible things will happen. In hospital, Kawaguchi explains the same thing to Hayata, that if nuclear fusion occurs, 
it could create a giant monster. Back at base, Hoshino tells Fuji they should separate the rocks, and she escorts him outside because he's being a nuisance. Uh, once they get outside, the weird factor increases dramatically as the rocks transform into a giant blue and red heart. Um, but specifically, this thing it looks so fucking cool. Is, it does. Really it looks like the kind of nice. heart that, like, you know the you know the main character, the player characters in Warframe. You know what they look like, kind of. A bit. It look, kind of. It looks like if you pulled the heart out of one of them, this would be the heart. <laughs> I, I enjoy... There's, like, a blue and red gradient thing going on, too, that yeah. mm-hmm. makes it look very alien in a way I appreciate. It's got, like, wires sticking out of it. How his tentacles that look like egg whiskers. Yes. Yes. So it has, like, a bunch of, like, appendages that come out of the the, the, the tubes that would be attached to, like, the arteries and veins and stuff. Um, and uh, instead, they come out and they're, like... Like you said, they're like egg whisks. They're like little microphones. They're like little antennas um, that function as very... We'll we'll get into it. Um, So, yeah, what was I... It rests outside the base. Gradually, apparently, they say, it's sucking the base into the fourth dimension. Inside, everything has been fucking mental... Um, <laughs> Muramatsu, Arashi, and Ide have a wild time trying to escape. Um, uh, Muramatsu and Arashi are together. Ide is with a couple of civilians, um, and everyone spends their time like walking through doors to find themselves on the ceiling, walking upstairs to find themselves in a strange field, running through walls, l- like running along corridors, finding themselves uh, uh, outside, uh, and eventually. Through concentrated effort, they all managed to make it back to the room they started in, uh, except now the only thing that has changed is Ide has a bin on his head. Uh, because he jumped off a cliff uh, and landed head first into a bucket. Yeah, I, I, I do want to zoom in on the incredible Ide behavior going Ide, on in the sequence. <laughs> absolutely incredible, uh, fantastic stuff happening with Ide in this episode. Uh, he's just like not having a good day. Uh, which is which means I'm having a good day. <laughs> so the the bin thing is funny, but I there is a bit where they're running up a staircase and then they get teleported to a staircase that is outside that leads to the sky and just like cuts off past a point. Um, and first of all, they they speed up footage of Ide running on the staircase, which is very funny. But also too, I just wanted to point out, uh, you know, I'm a sucker for a good background matte painting. Uh, and mm-hmm. the, the, the painting that they have in the background here for the staircase that, like, just cuts off to the sky looks really good. I, I appreciate that a lot. Yeah. Also, of note, as much, as much as this stuff is all funny, it's also incredibly cool. Uh, oh, yeah. it's, yes. It's really cool stuff. A lot of, like, um, like, stalker roadside picnic vibes to this. Mm-hmm. With just, like, this, this, this area ain't right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, outside, the SDF is having a rough time. The giant heart keeps fucking with them and then blowing them up, like when it switches the fighters and tanks so that the planes are sliding along the ground and the tanks are flying through the air, and then both of them explode. Um, 
Hayata, who arrived to pick up Fuji and Hoshino and take them to safety earlier, uh, now jumps out of the car and runs a very short distance uh, to transform into Ultraman. Um, Ultraman's fight with this giant heart is uh, not the usual fight. The heart keeps emitting these mechanical appendages like antennae that do things like they freeze Ultraman, they slow Ultraman, they spin Ultraman, yeah, they I twirl s- Ultraman, I two different things. Uh, like, uh, Ancient Ultraman, there's a scene where, like, Ultraman just eye poses and spins, and it's like, oh, it's a weird alien effect, but in this one, it's just because, no, it's because the heart it's is... It's from a- this episode. Yeah. <laughs> kind of. Kind of. <laughs> kind of. Um, yeah, the alien just, like, spins him head over heels, and then twirls him in place, uh, and then sends Ultraman to the fourth dimension, etc. Eventually, Ultraman finally gets off a couple of shots of the Spacian Beam, and the heart shrinks back to a manageable size. Ultraman picks it up, crushes it in his palm, and flies away. Fuji and Hoshino find the unconscious Hayata. Uh, He wakes up, and the three return to the base, where the rest of the squad have been prepping for their next attempt to escape the building. And Hoshino, well, Hoshino says, Fuji says that the problem has passed. Um, and they're like, well, someone beat the monster? And Hayata says, yeah, it was me. <laughs> and then Hoshino says, and then he says, oh, no, I'm joking. And Hoshino's like, hey, yeah, it was Ultraman. <laughs> and I'm like, Hayata, bro, <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> he's just having um, fun. He's just having he's fun. He's great. <laughs> this, is, this is like his one character is being smug about the fact that he's Ultraman and no one knows. And yes. <laughs> it's good. Um, the, uh, so Muramatsu decides to reward Hoshino for saving Hayata. Uh, what is his reward? The full SSSP mission suit that we saw him wearing last episode. <laughs> the end. I wonder if there was some production. Oh my god! Stuff I didn't. Here. <laughs> I didn't even notice that. Yeah. Uh, very funny to me that like, uh, the episode is like. Hayata just like runs forward to transform. Yeah, and then, he just doesn't, he doesn't yeah. make any and, and then hide behind anything. And, and then later they find him, and then Hoshino's like, you know, it's kind of embarrassing for you to faint after running like that. <laughs> it's so funny. Um, uh, yeah, this is this this new twist where it's possible that Hayata is hitting the button and just his just falling over <laughs> while Ultraman appears somewhere else. It's really funny. <laughs> I I like how we've wrapped around from we don't know how he gets back at the end of the episode to we we're not entirely <laughs> like we're, we we have an explanation for that we're we're all clear on that now we have like, two competing explanations yeah for for how he gets in in the first place uh, is very I wonder, funny. <laughs> I wonder if like the changing from the first thirteen to the second thirteen they just like changed the plan or the writers had different ideas mm-hmm it's possible uh. Either way, it's very funny. Um, yeah, everything with fucking with the fourth dimension in this episode is really cool. Um, the there's the moment where uh, the professor's assistant like goes back into the room, opens it, and it's been transported somewhere else, and it's just opens the door into the weirdest space, <laughs> um, where there's like uh weird like yeah. uh rock formations and everything yeah, the assistant it's, gets uh, transported to the cool. moon and meanwhile the professor is transported to uh the pen dimensional train from the end of ultra q <laughs> yes yeah. yes it's, they're doing you know the, you... they're doing the slanty camera thing again 
You get a lot of these, like, spatial, like, weirdness type things and, like, a lot of, like, especially, like, a lot of, like, shonen manga. Like, Chainsaw Man does this, JoJo's does this quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I don't know if I've quite seen anything do what Cap does at one point where he just points at a wall and he goes, what the fuck happens if we just break down this wall? Let's just try it. <laughs> and, and you know yeah. it works. <laughs> it's like, it's just like, Arashi, we're gonna run at this wall, it's gonna work. Why is it gonna work? <laughs> It just is. Shut up. Do it. You're not the smart one. <laughs> Clearly doing, like, walking through, like, the normal architecture is not working. We're, we're just gonna, we're gonna see what happens when we break through into, into this other room. <laughs> uh, it's pretty uh, good. Uh, um. I'm appreciating that on three separate occasions, Ultra Series has asked, what if there was a weird rock? And it's come up with different answers. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, more Weird rocks are good. Unfortunately, the first like, of those was Mount Fuji SOS, uh, but uh, yeah, the weird oh rock shit, was that's left, four was then. Problem. Uh, uh, what? I thought, uh, oh, what's the what's what's, what's, the, what's the, uh, the Gara the Garadama brain or the Garadama? <gasps> oh, you're brain. right. I forgot. <laughs> that that's what I thought you were talking about with the first one, but yeah, we we were at four weird rocks. <laughs> the Garadama brain is such a cool weird rock. It is a very cool. Rock. See, I. It's funny because as soon as. Uh, <laughs> Mr. Yesterday. Um, <laughs> Mr. Uh, Yesterday? Like, it just starts with the rock floating and him freaking out. I was immediately like, oh, it's like the Garamond episode. Uh, it is funny that the official subs call up Yesterday, uh, but n- no. They are clearly saying Yesterday here. I also uh, think there is a typo where they do just write out Yesterday early on. I think they fucked up in one instance. I, I could have... Maybe my brain did that thing where you just fill in, but... Uh, not that I would ever commit crimes, officer. Uh, but my my subs do just say yesterday. I looked it up to be sure, and yeah, like basically all the wiki stuffs calls me yesterday and stuff. So yeah, real Dunbine uh, situation going. <laughs> <laughs> uh, nothing's uh, as bad as Dunbine. I don't even. Wait, I can't I, even wait, remember what, what? Like, what's up with like Rimmel's uh, tech official translation. Oh, the Rimmel stuff. Okay, yeah, the, uh, you, the Blu-ray th- subs. The Blu-ray subs for Dunbine are just yes. ridiculous. Uh, you said and... you said the phrase "nothing is worse than Dunbine," and my whole worldview shook. I <laughs> oh no no big Dun. I was I have been a Dunbine fan for many years. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I was, I was confused. <laughs> I am eating popcorn off to the sides, waiting for people to watch the goddamn last few episodes of this show. Just so excited. <laughs> oh man, I can't wait for the end of Dunbine. Uh... Uh, for similar reasons, I can't wait for the end of CGS. <laughs> no, different reasons. Uh, I have been I have been eating popcorn, waiting for people to get through Seed Destiny, but in like a Schadenfreude way. Um, <laughs> I mean, I I do legit. I am the one sicko who's like, yeah, Seed Destiny's so bad. I had a great time. <laughs> I, this is the consequence of watching things at like one point five speed in the space of a week. I can be honest. I watch Seed Destiny episodes at like times three speed now. <laughs> Nice. What if before I watched Cross Sage, I watched all of Seed and Seed Destiny uh, again? No, why would you do that? Why you don't why? do that? Because I, do, I you have a problem. Have uh, there is limited time in our lives. Uh, this is outreach. Do not do this. You could watch for your own sake. You could be watching. Dog I've Runners. never seen the HD versions of the show. I you don't need uh, to. No one should. I've seen what they <laughs> look like. <laughs> 
I mean, no one should Seed see is what currently Seed on Gundam Info I, for free. No, you, you, we're having intervention? It's not for free. The price is watching Seed. <laughs> <laughs> that, that does have a soul toll on you. Uh... This is like this is like the this is like the devil offering you things for free. It's not free. Yeah. You know, maybe I need a big brother to make good life decisions for me. <laughs> maybe Let me tell you about episode eighteen of Ultra Ultraman. Um, I think that's that's our best segue so far. Uh, brother from another planet, which is a great title. <laughs> The same. That's me for real. <laughs> um, a bizarre radioactive. So first of all, a lot happens in this episode. Uh, so my my uh, my summary is I I don't know if it's good or not, but um, it's thorough. Um, a bizarre radioactive fog descends on Tokyo, and Hoshino is disappointed to be stuck at home with the woman. The dynamic continues to suck. I have long since given up hope that Fuji will do anything cool. Uh, yeah. Out in the field, uh, Ide and Arashi bump into a little guy in an overcoat and a hat. Uh, I want to pause here. Watching this and seeing Trenchcoat Alien Man run past, my brain broke. I've just been having such a good time with the Ultraman shit that we've been going through that I was like, oh yeah. At some point, we have to get to the stuff that was in Shin Ultraman. Like, just, I have, I had completely forgotten that these friends were waiting for us eventually at some point during the run of this show. Yeah. Uh, um, it's Zara. It was a pleasant little surprise. He, he makes, so, you know, when, I, I might put in some discussion, because I have some thoughts about uh, Shin Ultraman. I'll, I'll try not to spoiled things yeah. but but you know um there's some interesting stuff in terms of like where the plot of shin ultraman comes from um so zara makes contact with the sssp sending his consciousness directly to their computer He's through also Arash's just like climbing on backwards in a wall before rush just shoots him yeah Arash in the dick <laughs> Arashi does shoot him in the dick <laughs> with the spider shot <laughs> it is important that is the spider shot. Yeah. Um the so yes. Uh Zarab claims that claims. Zarab says that Zarab means brother, and that all living things are siblings to him, and he comes from the, the planet Zarab, uh or something like that. And so he is a like a Zarab instead of just Zarab. Uh, but because Zarab bec- because these are also characters, he's just called Zarab. Same with Baltan. Yeah. Baltan is yes. Baltan. Um, I, I'm so happy that... I I enjoy that apparently humans are the one that haven't done this. We're not all just called Earth. I'm going to go to an alien planet and say, I'm Earth. <laughs> From Earth. <laughs> Along with all of the other Earths. <laughs> uh, like, yeah, like, the... like an Adeon. Oh, our plans. Yeah, I was Earth. about to say the idiom problem where you meet the aliens that are like, oh, we're also Earth. Because obviously we called our home planet Earth because it's made of Earth. <laughs> um, so, as a gesture of goodwill, that he considers himself to be humanity's older brother, as a gesture of goodwill, he brought the wayward Saturn mission back to Earth's orbit because it managed to miss and was going to just be floating in space. Um, 
He also offers to lift the fog, and Hoshino is immediately like, now wait a second, did you put the fog there? Um, the SSSP tentatively accepts the proposal, and Zarab makes the fog disappear. Uh, Zarab is welcomed into the base and offered a room to sleep in. Uh, the first thing he does is mind control Ide. Um, <laughs> Not a lot there to control. <laughs> Listen, he's, he's uh, an inventor. I... <laughs> He did build that gun. True. That he stuck through a window. True. He somehow stuck through a window. Um, at a top secret meeting, the squad presents what they've learned about Zarab, and the officials debate what to do about him. Um, at the base, Zarab transforms into Fuji, gives Arashi coffee, which is drugged, uh, and you know he falls on the floor, and she, you know, uh, Zarab. Uh, transformed out of Fuji mode and now listens to the meeting through Ide's communicator. Uh, Hayata notices that the communicator is on and tells Ide to turn it off. He does. Then he attempts to sneakily turn it back on while Hayata is looking straight <laughs> at him. It's so funny. Um, back at base, Hayata has Ide's brain inspected, uh, which is the single greatest sentence I've ever written for this show. Um, uh, Hayata does drop a line like, Ide, you're better than th- you know that this isn't. Come on, what what's what, what's happening, man? <laughs> what's, what's happening with you? Um, the uh, they find in Ide's brain they find signs of hypnosis. Um, and they say uh, they say he might need some electroshock therapy. Uh, and immediately press the button to start zapping his head. Um. In the control room, Muramatsu is arguing with officials who have come to collect Zarab and take him to the space department. Um, he says that Zarab can only communicate through the SSSP computer, which has Ide's universal translator installed. Uh, Zarab enters the room with his own portable translator, uh, which is big, by the way. It's like a big portable. Um, and the main it's a computer... fucking boombox. He's about to drop yes. some jams on us. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and the main commu- the main computer begins Star Trek sparking, and Zarab's like, uh, oops, sorry, I probably shouldn't have brought my computer so close to yours, uh, this just happens. Um, oh well, I'm going to the <laughs> space department, bye. <laughs> um, I love this man so much. He's so good. Hayata thinks this is all very weird and decides to investigate the Saturn mission that's still in orbit. He goes up in the space-worthy VTOL, puts on his normal suit. Um, Which is just like, like a helmet he- over his uniform. It's just a helmet <laughs> over his uniform, and uh, floats over to the spaceship. So, so, I mean, I no, I need to stress what happens here. Uh, he puts on like a rocket jet too. Uh, he opens the door to the VTOL, which does not have an airlock, and he just goes over while leaving the door open. <laughs> he does. He does do that. Uh, I, he and, doesn't have an airlock. Uh, he doesn't have an airlock. Uh, he does when he comes back, just close the door and take off the helmet as if there is still air in there, which there shouldn't be. Quest Pariah moment. <laughs> it's so good. Uh, this show knows everything about space. Everything there is to know about space and dinosaurs. Um, he So Hayata looks in through the porthole of the Saturn mission and sees Zarab mind-controlling the astronauts. Um, Hayata returns to the VTOL and goes to head back. But in a shot that uh, Hideaki Anno literally just stole and put in his movie, um, Zarab is already on board and stops him. Um, uh, I ass- Zarab knows. It's the, the bit where... Yeah. The, yeah, yeah so I, I just like, want to say, uh, on- Anno steals it by having, you know, 
in Shin Ultraman, you know, Zarab confronts uh, Hayata, well, not Hayata, whoever the other guy is, Shinji, I don't know, in his car. Uh, and that's where the confrontation happens. Uh, here, yeah, it's cooler because he's in his spaceship. He is in space. Uh, he's stuck. I feel like this may be a difference in taste. I think it's infinitely funnier that this happens in Alexis. <laughs> 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 so stupid in comparison. Uh, it's so fun. Well, I will... I will we'll we'll get into some Shin Ultraman stuff because I yeah um so Zarab knows uh that Hayata is Ultraman um and kidnaps him teleporting them both back to Earth and sending the VTOL to crash to make it seem like Hayata's just fucking dead um then the squad receives news that Ultraman has appeared and has begun attacking Tokyo <coughs> excuse me um. Zarab enters an emergency meeting um, uh, and is like, damn, seems like Ultraman wants to take over Earth and the SSSP are helping him. Uh, in another room, uh, he has Hayata tied up in special constricting bonds made of a material that will, that will get tighter the more he struggles. Um, Hayata doesn't every, have, yeah. every piece of fiction does this where it's like, it'll only get tighter if you struggle. Is this a real thing? Does anything work like this in real life? It shows up so often, and I've always wondered. <laughs> uh, I don't, I don't, I suspect it does not exist in real life. Um, I, you know, I, I think writers are uh, always showing off uh, that they are into BDSM at all times. Yeah. Um, the, where was I? Uh, the here. bondage. Uh, I'm more like looking with my eyes to find where on the page I am. Um, but yes, thank you. The the Hyata bondage is where I was. Uh, yes, uh, Hyata doesn't have the beta capsule, and Zarab is content to leave him like that uh, while he goes rampaging in disguise as Ultraman. Hoshino sneaks in and finds Hayata, and it turns out he brought the beta capsule with him, not knowing what it is, but knowing that Hayata always keeps it on him, and so it must be important. Uh, which is really, really good. Yeah. Uh, he can't cut Hayata's bonds and begins to cry, and the tears react with the material the bonds are made of, and they melt and snap open with ease. Uh, Hayata tells Hoshino to run, but the fake Ultraman grabs him as he dangles from a rope out the window. Uh, Hayata transforms into the real Ultraman and saves Hoshino. The fight begins for real. Uh, and eventually the fake Ultraman is revealed to be Zarab in disguise. Uh, Ultraman hits Zarab with the spacing beam, and the battle is won. Uh, Hoshino remarks that Ultraman really is a hero of justice after all. The end. Uh, I'm really glad that we got uh, Zarab in the show, and it was really good. Yeah. Yes, I think this is my new favorite episode of the show. I think it's my favorite it's- too. I thought the I thought, yeah, I, thought I thought the previous Bolton episode was, and then I got to this one. It's uh, it's just a fan. So much happens in this episode. Yeah, it's about uh, that Tommy no pacing. <laughs> yeah, it's it's brilliant. Um, the uh, Zarab uh, being just this kind of this charming little guy who's just like oh, I'm just your big brother. I'm just I'm just here to help. Uh, is uh, a very good act. Uh, something that a friend told me about that uh, 
I'm happy I can now, like, see this and uh, look and be like, oh, yeah, I can see it. Uh, the Zagak from Gundam is a, like, design-wise reference to Zerab. Oh, oh yeah, that's cool. That makes sense. Let me, yeah, I, I can picture it in my head. Let me look, let me look at this I can, image right now. I can yes, see it now. Yes, absolutely. Because also, too, it's one of those things where I feel like when the people think of the Zagak, they think of, like, the red one that Char has. Mm-hmm. Uh, or like that that kind of like salmon but the, pink but one. The sta- yeah, the standard one. Is just blue and kind of has that grayish tone that Zerub mm-hmm. also shares. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, that is cool. So, the like I said, I don't really want to like spoil Shin Ultraman stuff, but uh, if you know anything about Hideaki Anna's d- d- movies uh, with like Shin Godzilla and stuff, um, apparently, uh, he be talking about uh, America and Japan and the relationship between them, um, and it's uh, it was interesting to see kind of that coming through from this episode in terms of the dynamics between like Zarab and uh, and Japan in this episode with like ah we're your big brother we'll we'll clean up uh, the things that are causing problems with you did we put them there in the first place I don't know. I, ooh, who could say? Um, what do you mean the big no brother put the intent. radioactive fog in? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and so uh, it was interesting to see kind of uh, where that comes from uh, in terms of... In, and then Shin Ultraman kind of uh, gets into it a little bit weirdly um, because of how... And, you know, which isn't to say that this this show doesn't get into it weirdly, but Shin Ultraman has its own like Hideaki Anno has his own spin on this thing where it's like the mud like the union between the the Japanese national spirit and the the American national spirit will will save the day. And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about, man? What is yeah. going on in your brain? Um, but uh, this episode's like more like pure just uh, this guy's fucking with us and. Uh, we should get rid of him. Uh, um, which is like, you know, I'm, I'm, if I, uh, stopped watching, uh, shows of, uh, from Japan that, uh, maybe dealt with, uh, some nationalist theming, I wouldn't watch many shows from Japan. <laughs> but, uh, I, I do think this episode is really good. Uh, yeah as as just an episode of television very strong very strong um this was written by uh or sorry this was directed by nonagase who again is the pegula person uh also garamon strikes back uh balunga and uh statue of gogo oh, and also unfortunately it's... fury unfortunately course... also fury of the south sea <laughs> yeah but of course it's the garamon strikes back person yes yeah makes that's sense. cool uh I forget, did we talk about who the writer-director for episode 17 was? Uh, it was also Ijima. Okay. For the director. I, I need to start looking at the writer stuff. Um, I've been bad about that. But Common uh, writer. Um, yeah, I, I, just, I, I just think this episode is good. I like Zarab. He's good. I'm looking... Because the Zarab episode was good, and because most like most of like this plot kind of wound up in Shin Ultraman intact uh that does mean 
I'm really looking <laughs> forward to Mephiles. <laughs> Same. Uh, I'm just wondering how they'll portray Mephiles, like how he'll be, because I'm just like, there's an energy to him in Shin Ultraman that's just like, he's like a- It can't have come from this show. Yeah, he's like, he's yeah. like, he's like a tech bro almost, like corporate uh, doublespeak platitude guy, and I'm just like, what's that going to be like in the 60s context? Yeah. yeah. He, Zarev was, was pretty close, but I feel like that's a lot easier to make close, mm-hmm. considering he's just like two-faced, like manipulate manipulator villain type. Whereas Mephilus and Shin has a very specific energy that feels like it wouldn't necessarily gel with this show. So I'm curious what they do with him. Uh, Hoshino sure does get to do stuff when Fuji doesn't. Yeah, this is true. <laughs> SSSP like... recruiting a child soldier. Ishinomori further smiles. He's he just he's just furiously taking notes for when his show gets to debut in like a couple of years. Oh man, Fuji just being like babysitter, like not just babysitter for Hoshino, but like annoying babysitter that gets in the way is like. It sucks. Like, like yeah. when she's when she, when he's like, "Oh, we have to separate the rocks," and she's like, "You're being a bother. I'm going to get you out of the building. Uh, you're the, you're the worst." And it's like, I don't like this. And especially like it annoys me further because I feel like this show has actually been pretty good the past few stretches of episodes we've watched with like sh- like highlighting Ide and Arashi's like characters and in, in certain mm-hmm. ways too and it, it just feels like fuji is not getting that in a way that's just so frustrating to me yeah yeah well it's a shame uh yeah. but otherwise the show's really good yeah so i'm i am starting to look forward to these in the way that i was ultra q when i like liked it at you know its peak <laughs> which which is making me excited because when we started ultraman stuff i was kind of like yeah, it's all right, but like you know, I wasn't like super looking mm-hmm. forward to watching these or whatever, right? But uh, it, uh, no, these these last nine episodes, I've I've enjoyed quite a bit. So yeah, I I have definitely heard of people who started Ultraman and then they're like, eh, you know what? I'm not sure I'm into this. Uh, I I could see people dropping off, but uh, it you got to give it that double Zeta stretch. It turns out you got to give it that double Zeta stretch. I'm glad the, um, for the future of this podcast, you're both enjoying. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ultra Ultraman's good. Uh, it's official. Um, it's not official until we get. There are way more episodes, but uh, it's official right now. For now, yeah, well, it's all good until the Fury of the South Sea two happens. Well, there needs to be like. Th- Three of those in a row, and then we'll talk. Yeah. How many episodes do we even have yeah. left? Jeez. Uh... We're almost at the. I want to say we're almost at the halfway point, yeah. right? Uh, Ooh, yeah. Let me see. Rip waypoint. Sorry. What? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh. Oh. I see what you did. Uh... Oh, yeah. We'll cross the halfway point with our next episode. Nice. Damn. Time flies. Yeah. Time flies. Speaking of time flying, uh, this is now a two plus hour podcast. Yeah. I have uh, so. Uh, speaking of time flying, I do have to do the timers. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Hit us with the timers. Yeah. Uh, also found the writer, so I can just throw him in with the timers. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. Episode 16, the, the writer was Kitao Senzoku. Uh, I think that's a screen name, for, or I think that's a pen name for Ujima. Okay. Uh, that's 2 minutes, 44 seconds. Yeah, mm-hmm. okay, I confirmed it. It was a... It's a screen name. Uh, or it's, I, I keep saying screen name. Fucking pen name. Yeah. Uh, episode <laughs> I'm too online. 17 is a... Keisuke Fujiwara, uh, Fujiwa, uh, Fujikawa. Oh my goodness! Uh, Keisuke Fujikawa wrote that episode, and that's episode. That's a uh, two minutes twenty four seconds. Mm-hmm. Uh, says episode eighteen is screenplay by both Ryu Minimikawa and Tetsuo Kijino. Uh, uh, the first, the first one of those is a pen name for uh, Nonagase. Okay, uh, and that one is two minutes eighteen seconds. Cool. All right. Well, um, let me go into. Do first of all, do we have any emails? Nope. Okay. Uh, we will go straight into plugs. Uh, if you want to follow the show, uh, you can do so at uh ultra underscore q. That is at ultra underscore q u e u e. Uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at gender underscore redacted. Uh, and I'm also at November on co-host, where I promise I will I will continue to write about RTS games at some point. Um, who's next? Uh, I'm at Rosenbrand on Twitter. Uh, I'm also uploading videos again at my YouTube channel, Rosenbrand. I got more Ultimate Marvel three video stuff in the pipeline, along with some other fun things. Uh, earlier this week, uh, the second half of the tabletop RPG actual play me and my friends did uh, for Halloween of 2022 went up. Uh, I am the worst at editing things in a timely manner. I'm so fucking sorry. That being said, uh, if you want a fun trick-or-treating adventure with the worst children who will do literally anything to get candy, uh, it's it's a good time. Uh, more murder happened than I thought when I decided to run that with my friends. Murder? Damn. Whoa. Yeah. I, I, it, some, t- like, I can't say too much because it would ruin the surprise, and I, I commented on it on the episode, but, like, something happens that with any other group of people, I feel like would be like, okay, this, this is a bad time, and, like, this, you know, there's a mm-hmm. social contract being, like, broken here, but it was like, when everyone decided that this would make for a more interesting story and people talk it about, sometimes you can you can break popular like I guess I would say like convention for for mm-hmm. uh double crossing your fellow players in a way that was very interesting and fun to see uh, everyone have a good time with. So I would kill for a Mars bar. Um although I I don't know if is is Mars bar the one where it's different in America than it is in Britain? I think it's no, I think it's uh, Smarties. Uh, there are multiple, but uh, I think a Mars bar in Britain might be uh, like a. I think it might be more like a Milky Way in America. Oh, okay. I know in like um, Canada, UK, Smarties is chocolate, and in the US, it's sugar compacted. Like a sugar chalky, yeah. It's just sugar. Yeah, it's like you don't have yeah. chocolate inside them. No. Yeah, Smarties. Oh, Smarties is like M and M's over here. I love Smarties, or I love American Smarties. <laughs> Uh, and actually, funny enough, my my mom's favorite candy bar is a Mars bar. Nice. Uh, Mel. Hi, my sometimes Twitter account is at your crowns. Uh, I have a Twitch, Cosmic underscore Crown. 
Uh, I did finish Paper Mario, so I'm going to play something else eventually. Uh, my co-host, I should email to make my at more easy to say. Instead of two degrees <laughs> removed from my Twitter at in the most obnoxious way. Uh, but that one's at Deer Crown Camel Case. Uh, and we have an email at ultracubepod at gmail.com. Yeah. Nice. Well, uh, we'll be watching three more episodes of Ultraman next week. Hopefully they are as good as this week. Uh, it's a it's a tough one to beat. Um, just straight bangers uh, recently. It's been good. Um, so, yeah, we'll be covering episode 19, 20, and 21. Uh, see you. Bye.